Chapter 6 of Charlie to the Rescue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Saina Qadiani. Charlie to the Rescue by R. M. Ballantyne. Chapter 6 Disaster, Starvation, and Death. The least observant of morals must have frequently been impressed with the fact that events and incidents of an apparently trifling description often lead to momentous, sometimes tremendous, results. Soon after the occurrence of the incidents referred to in the last chapter, a colony of busy workers in the Pacific Ocean were drawing towards the completion of a building on which they had been engaged for a long time. Like some lighthouses, this building had its foundation on a rock at the bottom of the sea. Steadily, perseveringly, and with little succession, the worker had toiled for years. They were small and significant creatures, each being bent on simply performing the little bit of work which he, she, or it had been created to do probably without knowing or caring what the result might be and then ending his hair or its modest labors with life it was when this marine building had risen to within eight or ten feet of the surface of the sea that the warlords chanced to draw near to it but no one on board was aware of the existence of that coral reef for up to the period we write of it had failed to attract the attention of chart makers the vessel was boiling along at a moderate rate over a calm sea for the light breeze overhead that failed to ruffle the water filled her topsails had the wind been stormy a line of breakers would have indicated the generous reef as it was there was nothing to tell that the good ship was rushing on her doom till she struck with a violent shock and remained fast of course captain stride was equal to the emergency by the quiet decision with which he went about and gave his orders he calmed the fears of such of his crew as were apt to lose their heads in the midst of sudden catastrophe lower away the boats lads we will get her off right away he said in a quick but quiet tone charlie brooke being a strong believer in strict discipline at once ran to obey the order accompanied by the most active among the men while others ran to slack off the sheets and lower the topsails in a few minutes nearly all the men were in the boats with hazards fixed to the stern of the vessel doing their uttermost to pull her off charlie had been ordered to remain on deck when the crew took to the boats come here mr brooke i want you said the captain leading his young friend to the taffrail it's pretty clear to me that the poor old walrus is done for i sincerely hope not sir said charlie with anxious looks a short time will settle the question returned the captain with unwanted gravity if she don't move in a few minutes i will try by hearing out some of the cargo will do as supercargo you know where it's all sold so if you'll paint out to me which is the least valuable and at the same time heaviest part of it i will send a man and four men to get it on deck but to tell you the truth even if we do get her off i don't think she'll float she's an oldish crap not fit to have her bottom rest on coral rocks but we'll soon see charlie could not help observing that there was something peculiarly sad in the tone of the old man's voice whether it was that the poor captain knew the case to be utterly hopeless or that he was overwhelmed by this calamity coming upon him so soon after the wreck of his last ship charlie could not tell but he had no time to think for after he had pointed out to the mate the bales that could be most easily spared he was again summoned aft she don't move said the captain gloomily we must get the boats ready for if it comes to blow only a little hollow we will have to take to them so do you and the steward put your heads together and get up as much provisions as you think the boats will safely carry only necessaries of course and take plenty of water i will see to it that charts compasses canvas and other odds and ends are ready again young brooke went off without saying a word to carry out his instructions meanwhile one of the boats was recalled and her crew set to lighten the ship by having part of a cargo overboard still the waters remained immovable on the reef for the force with which she struck had sent her high up in it 
if you have to take to the boat sir said charlie when he was disengaged it may be well to put some medicines on board for poor samson will i do so lad said the captain interrupting i've been thinking about that and you may as well rig up some sort of coach for the poor fellow in a long boat for i mean to take him along with myself are you so sure then that there's no chance of our getting her off quite sure look there he pointed and spoke to the horizon to the windward where a line of cloud rested on the sea that will not be long of coming here it won't blow very hard but it will hard enough to smash all wireless to bits if you've got any valuables aboard that you would rather not lose you would better stuff them in your pockets now when things come to the worst mind your helm and look out as i used to say to my missus stopped abruptly and turned away evidently the thought of the missus was too much for him just then charlie Book hurried off to visit the sick man and prepare him for the sad change in his position that had now become unavoidable but another visitor had been to see the invalid before him entering the bird softly and with a quiet look so as not to agitate the patient needlessly he found to his regret though not surprised that poor fred samson was dead there was a smile and a pale face which was turned toward the port window as if the dying man had been taking a last look of the sea and sky when death laid a hand gently on his brow and smoothed away the wrinkles of suffering and care a letter from his mother held tightly in one hand and pressed open his breast told eloquently what was the subject of his last thoughts Carly cut a lock of hair from the sailor's brow with his clasp knife and taking the letter gently from the dead hand wrapped it therein there's no time to bury him now his breath must be the poor fellow's coffin said captain stride when the death was reported to him the soul of coming the skull has reached us already look alive with the boats man by that time the rising soul was in truth lifting the vessel every few seconds and letting her down with a soft thought on the coral reef it soon became evident to everyone on board that the wireless had not many hours to leave perhaps not many minutes for the skull to which the captain had referred was rapidly bearing down and each successive thought became more violent than the previous one knowing their danger full well the men worked with a will and in a few minutes three boats well provisioned were floating on the sea the need for haste soon became apparent for the depth of water alongside was so insufficient that the longboat drawing a sheet considerably more water than the others touched twice when the swells let the hair drop into their hollows it was arranged that charlie should go in the longboat with the captain ray with the passenger and ten men of the crew the remainder were to be divided between the other two boats which were to be in charge of the first and second officers respectively jumping broke cried the captain as he sat in the stern sheets looking up at our hero who was busily engaged assisting the first mate to complete the arrangements of his boat we have struck twice already i must show up is raywood ready he's in the cabin looking for something sir i will run and fetch him stay we've touched again shouted the captain you and raywood can come off with one of the other boats i will take you on board when in deep water show off lads jump in with me sir said the first mate as he hastily descended the side come along raywood shouted charlie as he followed no time to lose the passenger rushed on deck scrambled down the side and took his seat beside charlie just as a long credit squad burst upon them the painter was caught and it drifted into deep water with the second mate's boat which had already cast off fortunate was it for the whole crew that captain stride had provided for every emergency and that among other safeguards he had put several tarpaulins into each boat for with these they were enabled to form a covering which turned off the waves and prevented their being swam the squall turned out to be a very severe one and in the midst of it the three boats were so far separated that the prospect of her being able to draw together again until evening 
thing was very remote indeed the waves soon ran so high that it required the utmost attention of his steersman to keep his craft afloat and when at last the light began to fade the boats were almost out of sight of each other no chance of fear of our ever meeting again remarked the mate as he cast a wistful look at the southern horizon where the sail of the long boat could be barely seen like the wing of a seagull your lot has been cast without mr brooks so we have to make the best of it i always try to make the best of things replied charlie my chief regret at present is that raywood and i being two extra hands will have to consume your provisions too fast luckily my appetite is a poor one said raywood with a faint smile and it's not likely to improve in the circumstances i'm not so sure of that sir retender mate with an air that was meant to be reassuring fresh air and exposure have effected wonders before now in the matter of health so they say another pool on the hailers dick that looks like a fresh squad mind your sheets willward a prompt ay ay sir from dick darwell and the cabin boy showed that he was alive to the importance of the duty required of him while the other men of whom there were six busied themselves in making their trappling coverings more secure or in bailing out the water which in spite of them had found its way into the boat charlie rose and seated himself on the thwart beside the fine-looking seaman dick darwell so as to have a clearer view ahead under the sail Longboat nowhere to be seen now, he murmured half to himself after a long look. No, sir, nor the other boat either, said Darwell in a quiet voice. We shall never see them no more. I hope you are wrong, returned Charlie. Indeed, I will sure that the weather will clear during the night, and that we shall find both boats be claimed not far off. Maybe so, sir, rejoined the sailor, in the tone of one willing to be, but not yet convinced. Our hero was right as to the first, but not as to the second point. The weather did clear during the night, but when the sun arose next morning on a comparatively calm sea, neither of the other boats was to be seen. In fact, every object that could arrest the eye had vanished from the scene, leaving only a grey circular sheet of blue, of which their tiny craft formed the centre. End of chapter 6